Giving it 110% with Barry Nichols on ABC Grandstand. G'day, welcome to my show about sport beyond the boundary. Well, we're certainly moving beyond the boundaries this afternoon. We're going to head over to the US and also the UK. Uh, we will hear from Glenn Stout, who is the series editor of a terrific book, which is called The Best of American Sports Writing. It comes out this year. The 2013 edition has now been released. Uh, amazing stories involving sport, but incredible backstories to them. We'll head to London as well, and we'll uh, talk about the essential wisdom. So this is highlights from Wisdom Cricketer's Almanac, stretching back to 1864. The co-editor of this book is John Stern. We'll meet him shortly. I hope you can stay with us for the half hour. ABC Cricket Magazine, edited by Jim Maxwell, contains everything you need to know about the Ashes and the season ahead. With in-depth player profiles, a dedicated statistics section, expert analysis and previews of all the action. Inside this issue, there's an exclusive interview with Shane Warne, a giant poster of Steve Smith and Stuart Broad and your chance to win a cricket bat signed by the Australian team. A must for every cricket fan. ABC Cricket Magazine is available from ABC Shops, centres and newsagents. For cricket fans, it's the book that tops them all, I'd hazard a guess. It is the Wisdom Cricketer's Almanac, the book that defines the year that was in the world of cricket. Well, now we have the Essential Wisdom. It's a collection of the highlights from all the editions from 1864. The editors have had to select from 133,000 pages worth of information. So it's a pretty big task. And to tell us how he did it, uh, with his co-author, John Stern, uh, who is editor-at-large for All Out Cricket magazine. As I said, he's co-authored this book with uh, Marcus Williams. It is called The Essential Wisdom, all the way from London. Hello, John, or England. Hello, John. Hi, Barry. How are you doing? Good. Where do you begin when you, you're looking at such a vast collection to try and pick out the highlights? Yeah, it, it was a pretty monumental task. Uh, and to an extent, you start at the beginning, 1864, with the first edition, although... There's precious little in there that uh, would really most cricket fans would modern cricket fans would recognise because they had all sorts of bizarre things like the list of winners of classic horse races and uh, stuff like that in the in the first edition. But um, no, I mean the structure of the book is is broadly like a a wisdom almanac. So we have all the kind of main sections like the the notes by the editor and the sort of major articles by major figures in the game and all the re- reports of Test matches and great series um, and then all the the sort of quirky stuff the uh, unusual occurrences as they're categorised in wisdom, you know, where you've got some sort of animals interrupting play and people turning up late for games because they were involved in wartime air raids and that kind of thing. Can you talk to us a bit about the way the focus of wisdom has changed over the years? You've alluded to it there. Yes, I mean, it's uh, it, it always was and to an extent still is a very English publication and, and its main focuses on on cricket played in England and and county cricket is still a major part of of the almanac but it's you know the nature of cricket globally has changed over the years and so you know it it does cover the game all over the world and and that that means that you know major test series involving the major nations and and, and other you know one day series and 2020 competitions are given due prominence uh, but also cricket beyond the 
the, the sort of traditional cricket playing world and that there's a section called cricket around the world in which you've got all sorts of stories from you know Vanuatu and Finland and Germany and all sorts of places which you know wouldn't be traditional cricket playing uh, hotbeds if you like uh, but no it is a much more global publication now for sure. We've certainly seen a greater prominence of power within the subcontinent within India in particular is that reflected in in, in what's in the wisdom? Yes, it is, and uh, but I think it it's also you know the editor's um, notes, as I alluded to, the, the the commentary by the editor of the day, which which forms a sort of first major chunk of the book, is is written from uh, well, it's written from an English perspective, but it's also hopefully written from uh, you know with with the game's best interests at heart, and certainly the um, the current editor Lawrence Booth made quite strong comments about the role that India must play in the future of, of cricket. India is is clearly, we know, the most powerful cricket-playing nation. Commercially, it drives the whole game. And there are many countries, Australia included, who are effectively beholden to India. Um, and Lawrence's point was that that brings a huge amount of responsibility uh, which I think he was questioning whether India and the people who govern cricket in India, whether they really have taken on that responsibility rather than simply pursue their own commercial self-interest. John Stern, my guest. John's the co-editor with Marcus Williams of The Essential Wisdom. It's, well, a highlights addition with all of the, the regular features of The Wisdom. What about the writing style? How has that changed over the years? Well, I think within I think you can you can make a, a quite a clear distinction that in the last twenty years uh, since Matthew Engel, who was um, a, an esteemed writer for the Guardian for a newspaper for many years, he became editor in 1993, and he really livened up the whole writing style, made it much more accessible, much more contemporary. I think before that, I mean, not it's not a sort of just a linear progression as such, but certainly for many many years before that. Uh, the the writing style would have been considered really quite uh, quite dry, pompous at times, and and again very Anglo centric and lots of interest in the sort of goings on at Lords and and the MCC even even after the time that MCC were uh, had given up control of the game, you know. So um, you know it, it has it, I think really in a way it's been a very very as the game itself has. has progressed so quickly in the last decade or more so wisdom has changed in in its content if not in the way it looks from you know it's still the yellow book the famous yellow book but it's changed its content has changed a lot in the last 20 years one of the great bits of the little yellow book or the fat yellow book is the um, the obituaries i think and um, i mean there's an example here of the lady who ruled over lord's lunches nancy doyle <laughs> just extraordinary some of the stories behind those that have been, in one way or another been connected with cricket. Absolutely, and, and you know, W.G. Grace's mother gets an obituary, which, uh, you know, it seems like a bizarre thing, but, um, you know, she she gave birth to one of the greatest players of all time. Um, and, yes, I mean, I, w I was also looking through and sort of totting up the, the kind of Australian um, prominence within, within the essential wisdom, and, and it's, uh, you could pick a pretty tidy team from the guys who are either profiled in the, in the sort of the cricketers of the year um, <clears throat> section or indeed have contributed uh, articles or have their obituaries in, in the book as well. So it's, um, 
um, and there are a couple of articles by by Bradman and one one great uh, one by the Demon Spoffer from 1904 in which he explains why the um, as he puts it the sons of gentlemen won't make good bowlers. He's basically saying that if you've been to a posh English school, um, you don't work hard enough, and therefore you you won't be able to bowl fast and funny you know 100 or more years on this kind of a <laughs> probably well, still got a point there's <laughs> <laughs> an element element of truth in it um absolutely what about for you working on i mean it must be a real thrill for you know a guy that mm. would have grown up um because i mean wisdom uh, i mean collections of wisdom are still very much sought after aren't they absolutely yes no it, it's been uh it it was a huge task and and um at various points, we, we wondered quite how we were going to get it all done. Uh, but yes, and it, it was a real thrill and, and a great learning experience as well to, um, to, to you know, to, to delve back into all these 150 editions. And, and like that uh, Spofforth article I just referred to there, there are so many things that you read which could have been written yesterday in terms of the, the issues that are being discussed and the problems affecting the game and it, and it just it puts everything into perspective you know we're always focused on the next great crisis but in a way the game the game has always been in crisis it has and um i remember hearing a speech from sir donald bradman just a recording of it and he was saying quoting how there were reports in wisdom um as you went back saying that things don't necessarily change the controversies that were controversies in those times uh, you know, they might morph a little bit, but they're still they're still there. Look, John Stern, my guest, co-author of the Essential, co-editor of the Essential Wisdom with Marcus Williams. Is there a favourite for you within this vast collection, John? <laughs> um, that's a really a really difficult uh, question to answer. Really, um, I mean, there there are so many uh, so many great things. I mean, that that Spofforth piece I mentioned is is particularly um you know it was sort of resonates really um some of the the, the profiles of the great players are, are an absolute delight and 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 some of the the writing um the quality of the writing by um people like neville cardus and and you know, john arlott and, and more recently gideon haig is is outstanding i mean gideon wrote a a, a, a huge sort of uh, treaties on the state of the ICC, which um, we managed to kind of cut down to a, um, a small, uh, you know, relatively small edited extract. Um, I think the, I mean, the, the things that really um, amuse are just the, the funny stories, really, that, that uh, again, you wouldn't necessarily expect to find in, if you, if you picture Wisdom as, as quite a, a staid and buttoned up publication, uh, you wouldn't, perhaps wouldn't expect to find these these little quirky stories, and, and, and yet they're, they're sort of presented in, in such a sort of deadpan way, whether it's teams turning up late for games and um, and, and just, you know, as I say, the uh, um, the, the, the in, insect-stopping play because they were swarming around a team, uh, the Yorkshire team wearing yellow shirts, that kind of thing. You know. Well, in fact, there was uh, uh, an incident this week in regional WA at Muck and Budin where insects stopped play. I'm trying to think what it was. It was locusts, I think, that stopped... <laughs> That stopped play. What about T Twenty? How prominent is that in wisdom? Well, it's it, it certainly doesn't take um, it sort of doesn't receive the same prominence as you know the, the the great Test series. But certainly when when it started in 
2003 in England. It was it was reported on in quite considerable detail, and there were a number of different writers brought in to give their own perspective on it. So, um, it, it, you know, every every series, whether it's a one day series, you know, in, international series, is covered in some form or other. So, um, I think it would you know 2020 is given uh, a fair crack of the whip, but I think wisdom, in common with uh, you know uh, uh, most cricket fans. Of you know of of certain maturity, if you like, would they test cricket is still number one, and and I think uh, wisdom still believes that, and and also believes that it's um it, it's something that needs to be cherished, and and um, if not quite saved, uh, because that implies it's about to be for the scrapping heap, but uh, that it certainly needs to be cherished and nurtured, and and retain that prominence that. Uh, is so integral to the to the traditions of the game. John, uh, thank you very much for that. It's been a, a real thrill have, having a chat with you. Not at all, Barry. Pleasure. Good on you. John Stern, co-author, co-editor, should I say, with Marcus Williams. The book is called The Essential Wisdom. Giving it 110% with Barry Nichols on ABC Grandstand. Well, it's one of the books I most look forward to ordering, and that is The Best of American Sports Writing. It contains exactly that. Wonderful writing about sports from America and the stories behind the sports are just extraordinary. Glenn Stout is the series editor and I spoke with him a little while ago and I first up I asked him about his time being an exchange student in Australia. Right, I was an exchange student when I was 16 years old in 1975 and I spent uh, June, July and August uh, living with a family in City Beach and attending uh, 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 school in Scarborough Beach for... I didn't attend school very much. I had too much fun for that. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I'm still in touch with uh, one of the sons uh, of the family that I stayed with. He's visited me several times over here. I've never made it back to Australia, but it's on my bucket list. So uh, perhaps one of these days I'll still make it back. Uh, uh, it was delightful to hear from you because I started remembering so much about my trip there and uh you know i really i really really enjoyed uh enjoyed my time there it was uh, really one of those moments that uh, really marked the change in my life from being a kid to being a grown up in in all the good ways and all the fun ways and uh, i'll never forget it that's for sure i i loved i loved my time there so in 1975 the Waffle, or the Western Australian Footy League, would have been very strong, just like the Sandfall in South Australia, the VFL. But now, of course, we have the AFL. It's all uh, right, it's right. All... Yeah, I'm, I'm aware that the, of the changes that have taken place. But yeah, it was the the Western Australian League was big then because I I came back home with an East Fremantle T-shirt, and I think the the slogan on it was 25 and 75 because they were, I think they were going for their 25th championship, but they were terrible that year. Well, you'll be delighted. <laughs> if memory serves me correct. You'll be delighted to know that Fremantle made it into the national grand final for the first time this year. Sadly, they, they lost, but they got into the grand final in the <laughs> AFL. Did, uh, there you go. Did, did you warm to Aussie Rules footy? Did you get a chance to take it in a bit? I did. I, I got to see one match live, and I watched quite a bit on television. And then there used to be quite a bit broadcast uh, here in the States on ESPN when uh, before ESPN got quite as big as it is now. So I'd occasionally get to watch here. And I, I do understand the game. And uh, I, I had some fun at various times explaining it 
uh, to friends of mine up here who'd look at it and go, what the heck is that? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was able to explain, you know, the difference between, you know, kicking it between the two tall posts and the tall post and the short post and all that stuff. And, uh, uh, you know, so, so I was able to translate the game a little bit. I never got to play, though, which I really would have enjoyed trying to play. And I never got to play cricket. Uh, I would have I would have loved to 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 given that a go because baseball's always been my big game, but uh, it was just it was a you know real eye opening experience uh, in so many ways um, that even to this day I think it's one of we were just talking earlier my wife and I about my daughter who's just about ready to go to college and I was talking about how different it was for me at that age because I'd already been to Australia. So going to college was no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, my guest is uh, Glenn Stout. He is the series editor of the Best of American Sports Writing, and this year's edition is uh, is out. Look, I, I'm keen to find out from you, Glenn, your own interest in sports writing. What what inspired you for a guy that's had a long history in it, or who inspired you? Boy, you know, it's funny. When I was younger, I would I would almost joke because you know every every young boy, I think thinks he's going to be, you know, a, a star in whatever sport they're interested in, whether it's, you know, football or baseball or basketball. And that, that was certainly me. I thought I was going to be a baseball player. Um, but I used to joke if that didn't work out, well, I, maybe I'll become a sports writer. And uh, in fact, for one of these, you know, career assignments I had as a kid, I had to contact a sports writer. And I did, and he, local sports writer where I grew up in Ohio, and he, he wrote back and he answered my questions. And then later, I, I, as I got older, I realized I wasn't going to become a professional athlete, and I became interested in writing, and I was interested in creative writing. I went to school uh, and studied creative writing, poetry, and then sort of by accident, uh, you know, because you're taught very early when you're doing writing to write what you know and what you're interested in. And I stumbled across a nonfiction story that intrigued me. I thought it might be interesting for other people, and I, I, I learned how to pitch a story to a magazine. And to my great surprise, I was about 27 years old. They bought it. And uh, from that moment, I haven't been without an assignment. Uh, so I, I got into it sort of accidentally, but somehow, some, some way in the back of my brain at a very early age, I kind of knew that maybe this was something I could do. What was the first and something that interested me? Sorry, Glenn. What was the first assignment? Because clearly it was very successful. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, I stumbled across the story. I, I read about a story in another book, and it was about the the manager of the Boston Red Sox baseball team in 1907 who killed himself in spring training before the season started. And it said that he had done that because of the pressures of being a manager. And I thought, well, if that's the case, because the Red Sox at that time had this reputation of a team that no matter what happened, just couldn't win. If that was the case, then there should be a graveyard full of Red Sox managers. And I, I ended up researching the story in the old microfilm newspapers and I sort of discovered what happened, and it was a different story. It was a sort of a gothic tale. He'd gotten married, and a woman he'd been involved with before had become pregnant, and, and he killed himself over that. And I thought, well, this is fascinating, and if I think it's fascinating, maybe other people will as well. So I, I wrote a pitch 
looked up a, a, a book that said how to pitch a story to a magazine. I did that. I did it to two magazines. One sent me a form letter back, said thanks, but no thanks. But the other fellow, uh, the editor, to my uh, uh, undying grace, he actually uh, read it, and he invited me in, and he bought the story, sight unseen. Uh, I had no clips. I'd never written a nonfiction story before. And then he said, after he bought it, what do you want to do next? Yeah, and uh, so you know that's serendipity, I guess, because it doesn't usually happen that way. No, and it, perhaps it wouldn't happen that way nowadays, given given the diminishing number of uh, of outlets where people can at least well, get, you know, get so, paid. You know, sometimes, sometimes it does because uh, in the last year or so, I've become involved as an editor for a long form nonfiction sports website called SB Nation. And I have been able to able to give some writers who have had very little experience some real opportunities. And the reason I do that is because I remember what happened to me. So that website, we better let the listener know that. So that is just simply sbnation.com? Yeah, sbnation, as in sportsblognation.com, yep. backslash longform. And I, I have, over the last um, little bit over a year, I've acquired and edited almost 100 stories of uh, stories similar to those in the best American sports writing. In fact, I tell my writers, that's our goal, is to write a story as good as the stories that are in the best American sports writing. And although we, we're not in the book this year, I, I think we might have some things good enough to be in there next year. I'm, I've been very, very happy uh, with the work that we've been putting out. My guest, Glenn Stout, uh, series editor of the Best of American Sports Writing. Glenn, um, I'm just going to ask you about a couple of the stories. They're all they're all wonderful as they are each year. Um, the first one by Karen Russell, the blind faith of the one-eyed matador. This is fascinating uh, about a guy who had his face essentially ruined by a bull and then managed to come back. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that journey? Yeah, I mean, she, she writes this wonderful story about a, a Spanish matador, a bullfighter, who is gored terribly by a bull. Uh, it's almost too visceral to, to get into too much detail, but the, but the horn goes through his eye socket, and he loses vision in one eye. And I think any reasonable person would think, how could you possibly continue to do this afterwards? But what she does such a wonderful job with is she makes his decision to go back and continue bullfighting, she makes it understandable. She puts you in his mindset, and she, she gives you the cultural significance of what he does and the personal significance of what he does, and makes it seem like a reasonable decision, something that, that you almost can't conceive of. And she's a wonderful writer. She's not a sports writer. And I always tell people that probably the best decision I ever made with this book was to call it the best American sports writing two words rather than the compound word sports writing, which people tend to think of as more newspaper writing. And Karen Russell, she's a wonderful novelist. She was just awarded a MacArthur Grant here in the States, which is, they call them the Genius Grants. It's a foundation that 
that uh, gives these these wonderful monetary grants to, to to writers and artists and scientists of great promise, and she just won one uh, uh, about a month ago. And so she's not a sports writer, but she's just a wonderful writer. And she ended up writing something uh, extraordinary about sports, uh, although she's not a sports writer per se. And, and that's really the goal of the book, is just to have the best writing about sports. And both myself and J.R. Moringer, our guest editor, uh, both agreed that we thought it was the best story that we read this year, and that's why it's the first story in the book. Let me come on to another one, which is called The Game of His Life. Is it Jonathan Segura? Is that how you say, say his name? Yep, yep, Segura, yep. This is a beautiful story about a friendship, essentially, and a connection with soccer. Tell us about yeah, Jonathan's it's a, it's story. A, you know, what I love about that story is it, it is, it is, is it a sports story? Yes, of course, because there is soccer in it, and it's about soccer, but it is a story about friendship. And it's just about how... You know, you can connect with people um, through sports that you might never connect with otherwise. And it's about, uh, you know, his friendship with somebody, I think, who lived in the same building, uh, who he probably would have not had anything to do with otherwise, but they connected through their love of, of, of football, of soccer. And, you know... I think back into my own life and the people that I've known, and, you know, you can go anywhere in the world, and certainly this is my case when I went to Australia, and there's about two things you can talk to anybody about. One is the weather, and one is about sports. Uh, and it's one of those things that can bring people together and that cuts across uh, all sorts of barriers that stop people from connecting in other ways, whether it's race or gender or orientation or nationality or anything like that. You can come together over sports, and, and that's what I see in that story is just this wonderful friendship that developed uh, around a sport that probably wouldn't have developed otherwise. And that gives, I think, justification for this crazy business of sport that a lot of us are involved with that is all about money too often now and and things that aren't about uh, uh, just enjoying it and about competition, but the real payoff of sport and the reason that it exists and the reason that it's valued is how it brings people together. Glenn, the joy for you in putting a collection like this together, it must take a lot of work where you've got to go through any number of uh, people that have admitted their work. Um, tell us what is the joy. Well, the joy is um, the joy is is one the joy that it brings other people. I mean, primarily, uh, not just the writers themselves, and, and that is a, a terrific experience. Calling someone up and and hearing how excited they are to be in this book, and that's something I, I've really only become aware of, I think, recently. Uh, and in fact, in this editing job that I'm working on now, is meeting younger writers who say to me, they say, you know, I've been reading that, Glenn, my whole life, which makes me feel very, very old, but also uh, I see that it's really had an impact for them, but also for the readers. I mean, you know, as writers, all we want to do is to be able to engage readers, and occasionally I go out and do events and give talks and do book signings and things, and to have people come up to me time and time and time and time and time again and say, oh, I look forward to this so much each year. Or, you know, I saved this book. I have one fellow 
who I ran into, and I actually sent him the book every year because I just love the story. And he says, you know, because when I met him, he says, I buy the book, and he was a, he was a teacher, and he says, I wait for our first snow day, which is the first day that they don't have school because there's too much snow. And he says, and that's when I sit down and read your book. <laughs> and so I send him one every year now, and I say, you know, snow's coming. <laughs> uh, you know, get ready. And, and, and that's what, what I do. You know, it, it just means a lot to people, and they expect it, and they look forward to it each year. And as a, as a writer myself, um, you know, what could be better than to have people look, look forward to your work? And it's even better for me because it's not my work. It's, it's the work of my tribe, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's what I really, and, and, you know, as I said before, it's a tribe that's not just in the United States, but this kind of writing is, is relatively unique. And it's so gratifying to see the response you know, in Australia, in Ireland, in England, in Germany. Uh, you know, I hear from people all over the world about this book. And, you know, I, I, I believe me, when I was, uh, you know, sitting in City Beach uh, 40 years ago, I didn't think that was going to happen. <laughs> well, well done. It's a cracking edition as per usual. Glenn Stout, thank you very much for speaking with us. Well, thank you very much, Barry. I was uh, delighted to hear from you, and it's... Uh, it's nice to know that my voice is being heard in WA again. It is the best of American sports writing uh, for 2013. It's out now. ABC Grandstand, 110% with Barry Nichols. Well, look, that's your lot for today. Thanks very much for tuning in. Don't forget, if you'd like to listen to previous editions of this show, you can do so at iTunes or just search... On your search engine, 110% with Barry Nichols. It'll take you to the ABC Grandstand site. A reminder, today we heard from Glenn Stout from the Best of American Sports Writing, and we also heard from John Stern about the essential wisdom. Talk to you later. Barry Nichols, giving it 110%.